um, Luke chapter 14, uh, verses 15 to 24. Um, turn to that in your Bibles or pull it up on your phone. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field. I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yokes of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And their servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. May God bless the reading of his word. This morning, Minister Jeff will be preaching um, uh, the sermon. It's titled The Great Banquet. So let's turn our time over to him. This is from a New York Times letter to the editor. It reads, to the editor, those who fail to reply to invitations marked RSVP aren't the problem, since they also don't show up. The problem is those who do respond, but don't show up. Many view a yes not as a commitment, but as an option agreeing to multiple events in order to be able to decide at the last minute which to attend. They also don't call to cancel and if pressed will invent an excuse instead of providing an honest apology. I entertain frequently and my solution is to stop inviting these people. On several occasions, I've been asked why others were invited and they were not. I explained that their previous actions had negative consequences, and I refused to allow their lack of consideration to compromise my party planning. Have I lost any friends from this? Never. I have occasionally forfeited people who claimed to be my friends, but were too self-centered to realize that they were not friendly, and that's no loss. The kingdom of God is like a great banquet, a dinner party. Jesus, in our passage this morning, tells a parable about this banquet. A man once gave a great banquet and he invited many. He sent out invitation after invitation after invitation. Formal invitations, notices to save the date, requests for those invited to RSVP. And word gets back from those invited, those he invited, that they're coming. Save me a seat, I'll be there. After all, it was a pretty big deal to be invited to such a gathering. Meals and, and banquets and, and dinners and these uh, types of settings, they were the context for social relations, a vehicle for 
honor and shame in an honor and shame society. And in such a society, reciprocation was important. As someone gives you the honor of, of inviting you, of thinking of you, you respond by giving them the honor of saying yes and showing up. So this man, in this parable, he has his list of those who he invited and, and those who responded saying, we'll come, we'll show up. So he continues planning his great banquet. It's going to be a time of, of joyful celebration. And as time passes, the day draws near until it has finally arrived. The banquet is here. Everything is ready. And so he tells his servant, go. Go to those who have been invited and let them know, come. Come for now, uh, for everything is now ready. The doors are open. Let's get this party started. But then the parable takes a turn and all of them begin to make excuses. They all alike begin to make excuses. In fact, it's as if they are one, all together saying, we can't make it. One person says to the host, I bought a field. I have to go out and, and see it. Please have me excused. What kind of lame excuse is that? Do you, do you really need to go see that field now? Did you not see it before you bought it? I don't think it's changed in that time. Is it, is it really that important? The field will still be there later. You knew about this banquet. But fine, whatever. Yeah, I can't force you to come anyways. Go do what you think you need to do. Then another comes up to the host. I bought five yoke of oxen. I have to go examine them. Please have me excused. What, what do you mean you need to go examine your oxen? You, you sound as lame as the other guy who bought a field. You already purchased it. You own the oxen. They're not going to run away. You can look at them later. Really, that's, that's the best excuse you could come up with. Look, you could have just said no when I first asked you, when I first invited you. But fine. Whatever. Can't force you to come anyways. Go do what you think you need to do. Then, another comes up to the host. I have married a wife, and therefore, I cannot come. Okay, but how is that preventing you from coming to the social meal? Like, you still need to eat, right? I can't force you to come, nor at this point can I even ask you to come because it looks like you already made up your mind. At least the other two asked to be excused. So, again, fine, whatever. Now go do what you think you need to do. Now, so the, the host incensed and angry, turns to his servant and says, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. We're still going to have this dinner party. The banquet will go on. The servant goes out and starts inviting every poor person, every crippled person, every disabled person he can see. The servant comes back to the host and says, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. So the host says, go out even further 
from this city, to the parts that are not gentrified, to the parts that, uh, that are ignored, and bring them. The banquet is still on. And as for those men who were invited, well, they're uninvited now. They shall not taste my banquet. As the author wrote in his letter to the editor, let me read that again. Here's what he said. I entertain frequently. And my solution is to stop inviting these people. On several occasions, I have been asked why others were invited and they were not. I explained that their previous actions had negative consequences and I refused to allow their lack of consideration to compromise my party planning. Have I lost any friends from this? Never. I've occasionally forfeited people who claimed to be my friends but were too self-centered to realize that they were not friendly. And that's no loss. The kingdom of God is like a great banquet. And Jesus tells his parable to answer the question, who will actually be there? Who will be present? Who will show up? Who will taste and eat of the banquet? And I think Jesus' answer to that question for us this morning from this passage is twofold. First, the kingdom of God is full of people who are not full of themselves. The kingdom of God is full of people who are not full of themselves. Uh, our passage begins not with Jesus' parable, but with a man's comment. One of, the, one of the guests there, he says, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus' parable is a response to what this man says. And what this man says, his comment here, it's a response to what Jesus was trying to teach them in the preceding verses. And, and so let's go back a little bit to kind of see what the situation is. Where is Jesus? What's the context? Chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. So as Jesus tells this parable about a great banquet, he is himself at a dinner party, a Sabbath meal uh, hosted by the Jewish leaders. He's invited because it looks like they want to test him. And as he is there, verse 7, he notices how they chose the places of honor, how they kind of determine where are the seats of honor, where is everyone going to sit? These guests who were invited to the Sabbath meal were concerned with, with seating arrangements. And so he tells them a parable about humility, actual, true honor and shame, and, and where to sit. He also tells a parable later on about who to invite, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, the people who cannot reciprocate the honor given to them for being invited. You see, they, you get honor when they think of you when you're invited. But these poor, these crippled, these lame, these blind people, they don't have honor. When they show up to this party, they don't add to the honor of the host. In fact, they might even take away from it in the eyes of society. All they bring is shame. But again, Jesus is digging in at some of that thinking. And interestingly, it's the 
it's the same people that end up at the great banquet in Jesus' parable. Now, after all this, then we reach verse 15. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. This guest essentially misses, misses Jesus' point, or, or maybe he ignores him completely. You can imagine him you know, looking around. He's, he's at his own seat of honor now. He's, he's sat down. He's looking around at, at this room of Pharisees, of these Jewish leaders seated in their own places of honor. He, you could see him making a toast saying, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. In other words, a, a toast to us. What this guest is doing, I think what's happening here, based off of Jesus' own response to him, is that he sees this Sabbath meal that he's a part of. It, it's a time of rest. This meal is a time of acknowledging the rule and reign of God, and, and he takes it to be a glimpse of the messianic banquet, the future banquet of celebration that will come with the fullness of the kingdom of God. And so you think of passages like Isaiah 25, 6-9. There we read, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So, so this man, he's making a huge assumption when he says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. That, that assumption is that everyone refers to everyone in the room. That this room, this Shabbat Sabbath meal that he's a part of right now is a picture of that future banquet in the kingdom of God. But Jesus tells this parable of the great banquet to call that assumption into question. The kingdom of God is full of people who are not full of themselves. This parable, as with many other parables that Jesus tells, it's this subversive critique of the Jewish leaders' distorted value system. You know, they, they held themselves in high esteem. They think that the, the kingdom of God is like a great, great banquet, which it is according to Christ, but, but their understanding of a great banquet is built on an entirely different value system. It's built on a distorted value system. As Jesus tells this parable, who actually ends up at the great banquet? Not those who said they would come but didn't show up. But the host or, or the master of the house goes to bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, the, the people who, in the eyes of society, had no honor. Who could not reciprocate that honor. It's a reversal of the common social conventions of their day. And, and not only that, after all that, after the invitations go out, the host says, go out even further. And you know what? Just, just find anyone, you know, find anyone you can who's willing to come. Bring them in. Compel them. Come. 
And the passage ends now with verse 24. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The you is plural here. Some of you might, might see a footnote in some of your Bibles. It could be the host talking, but it could also be Jesus talking to the guests at this meal that he's a part of right now. Either way, the point is that the kingdom of God is full of people who are not full of themselves, who do not take their attendance at the banquet for granted. Because that's what these, these Pharisees were doing. It's a completely wrong attitude, one built completely on pride, something that Jesus was just critiquing earlier on. Now, what does that look like then, to, to not take our attendance for granted? You know, think of a celebrity that you admire. Maybe it's Beyonce or, or The Rock or know, Michelle Obama or, or anyone else, right? Imagine if they invited you over to their place for a dinner party, for a banquet. I mean, I mean can you imagine if, if BTS invited you over to their home for dinner? What would you think? How would you feel? W would you actually have the nerve to say to them last minute, oh, no, sorry, but I can't make it anymore. I have some errands I need to run. I need to walk my dog. I need to clean the kitchen. I, I don't think so. It that would be absurd. You would make it work. You, you would do whatever you needed to do to ensure that you could show up, that you could be there. Because I think you recognize you actually shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be there, but for some reason, for one reason or other, or maybe because it's an illustration and I'm pointing this out, you were invited. You've been given the opportunity to show up, be present, and to dine with them. You wouldn't take it for granted. At least I, I don't think so. I remember when I was, I was first invited to, uh, when I was invited to my first wedding, and this was earlier on in the years right after college. There were a lot of ring by spring weddings back then. And when I say I was invited, I mean that the invitation was specifically addressed to me, not, not my parents, right? Uh, I felt honored, right? Honored to be invited, to be thought of, to be included. And receiving that invitation, I felt a responsibility to, to respond, to reciprocate by saying, yes, I will show up. And then to, to show up. Now, maybe you, you felt that way too at some point. Maybe, perhaps not now, if you had kids and now every wedding invitation now is a, is a scramble to find childcare or struggle to, to get them dressed up. But, but maybe earlier on, you, you, you felt that way. These Pharisees, they were full of themselves. They, they took their attendance at the ban banquet for granted. Of course we should be there. Why? Why shouldn't we be? Blessed are we who will taste, eat bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells this parable to call that into question. The kingdom of God is full of people who are not full of themselves. That's Jesus' first answer. Here's his second, I think. The kingdom of God is full of people who are not full of excuses, but who follow through. The kingdom of God is full of people who are not full of excuses, but who follow through. 
As we kind of saw earlier as we recounted this parable, that the excuses are kind of ridiculous, a little bit lame. They, they reveal how little these guests actually value or honor the host. And in this case, it's God. Soon after Jesus tells his parable, the narrative continues and Jesus is seen teaching the great crowds about the cost of discipleship. Verses 26 to 27. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus is not saying you need to literally hate your own family if you want to follow him. It's it's hyperbolic language. Hating was a Semitic expression to mean loving less. So it's a question of priorities in the same way it was a question of priorities for the, for the guests who gave excuses. To them, there were simply other things that were more important than attending this banquet. Things that were more important than the host, the master of the house. And here Jesus is teaching that to follow him requires a level of love and devotion so great that your love and devotion to your family would look like hate. What Jesus is describing here is complete and utter commitment. And I think it's challenging because in the parable that Jesus gives, the excuses that the people give revolve around two areas that hit close to home for many of us. Family and finances or or possessions. These are the areas that that easily, so easily compromise our own relationship with God. Sometimes to the point where we fail to see that it has been compromised. And then we become like the dinner guests, ignorantly toasting ourselves. Blessed are we who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. One scholar puts it pretty well. He says this, the biggest obstacles to discipleship are possessions and family but they are also the biggest opportunities for discipleship. The kingdom of God is like a great banquet. Jesus tells this parable to highlight and challenge some of our presumptions of what God's kingdom looks like. Who will taste of the banquet of the kingdom of God? Not those who are full of themselves, not those who are full of excuses, but those who follow Christ, those who follow through. And I hope this morning, you know, we don't walk away with with less assurance of where we stand with God. The purpose of the parable is not to remove any and all assurance we might have, but to, but to question where that assurance is in the first place. And that assurance is in Christ, Christ alone. Now, again, Jesus doesn't actually really go into detail in his parable about how we're to respond to the invitation, what it looks like to actually say yes and then to show up. Um, But I think part of it probably means to to count the cost. He does talk about that in the next section. To be a true disciple, as Dr. Arthur's Pastor Jeff was preaching a little bit about mentioning this sermon last week. And as Jesus goes on to teach, to, to bear fruit, to not take God for granted, but to ascribe to him the honor 
him praise that he is due. Because the kingdom of God is, is like a great banquet. It is full of people who are not full of themselves or full of excuses, but who follow Christ and follow through. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for your word, and we pray that it would pierce our own hearts, that we would look within to see whether we have been putting you first, whether we have been taking things for granted and relying on our own religiosity, Lord, rather than the cross, rather than your grace. Lord, help us to continue to follow you, to follow through. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.